Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Yeah, I mean, just when you're talking about the growth of, of a quarterback, you know, and the maturation of, of Justin Fields for the Chicago Bears in our franchise, and, and I think that you can all see that. You know, that's, that's evident. Uh, we've seen it on the practice field for weeks, you know, several weeks, where he's getting better, he's improving, he's he's understanding the offense, he feels more comfortable back there. Um, you could see him helping the receivers. And I said this weeks ago, you know, that he was he was doing that. And now we saw it in the Washington game where he drove us down there uh, to win the game, and we didn't quite happen. But now you're starting to see it the next three weeks even more. So it's you're starting to see the the fruits of his labor and the fruits of our of our team. And again, we're developing the whole aspects of our team, but certainly the quarterback position is a big part of that. We're back live with more of Anthony Heron and Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score and Odyssey Station. Continuing to discuss the Chicago Bears, specifically Justin Fields. And right now we get to talk to, and I don't know if I told you this, man, this guy is one of my favorites. He's one of my favorites. I don't know. I love, you were mentioning I love his writing style. Love the way he covers the team. I feel like he has a fan approach, but you know he's analytical as well. It's my pleasure, uh, and he is joining us right now on the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline. Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. He is the Bears insider for NBC Sports Chicago. It is Josh Schrock. Josh, what's up, man? Hey, guys. How we doing? Doing good. So th- so there was a little bit of shock and awe from this weekend, huh? Hey. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I was just, just bumming your, your your Twitter handle there, Josh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What, t- talk to me about what you feel is the most impressive thing from Justin Fields? Man, to me, I think it's just the overall decision-making in, in the run and the pass game. And I think, for me, that just starts with their their willingness to go to more design runs because I feel like once Justin gets comfortable in a game and, and they're kind of doing that, letting him get settled with his legs, I think the decision-making in the passing game comes easier for him. He's making really quick, decisive throws. He's been he's been really accurate these last four four weeks, which was – that was his calling card coming out of Ohio State, right? And after the Texans game, it was like, oh man, is he is he really that guy? And and he is. He's naturally accurate. He's he's been a quick processor, and I think you're just seeing everything come together. He's just he's more confident. The poise is still there, uh, but really for me, it's just the it's the quick decision making, and and for the most part, making the right decisions. And to to see that on display and to watch it grow here in recent weeks, do you think that the the team around him, the the options available to him on offense, like how? How big of a ceiling do you think? We were just doing an exercise where Gabe was kind of posing Justin Fields versus a, a variety of other young quarterbacks around the league to me earlier in the show here. How high of a ceiling do you feel like we're maybe watching develop with Fields? 
Man, I mean, I thought coming coming into the league, he had a. I don't think he had a ceiling, and I think maybe a ceiling got put on him because of, of the tough situation he was dealt with with Matt Nagy last year and, and the, the situation around him this year with with the bad offensive line, which is growing. But I mean, if he keeps on this trajectory, and you're seeing an offensive staff that's really comfortable building a scheme around what he's good at doing right now and, and helping him develop. Uh, you know, more of a pocket presence for later on. I, I don't think there is a ceiling. I mean, the guy you saw on the field Sunday against the Dolphins who can who can beat a team like that with his legs but also has that big arm, when, when the Bears really put weapons around him and there's there's more options in the passing game, I think the sky's, the sky's really the limit for this guy if, if the Bears keep on the trajectory. We're talking to Josh Schrock from NBC Sports Chicago right here on 670 The Score. I'm Gabe Ramirez along with Anthony Heron. When you're looking at his stats, though, Josh, and you're mm-hmm. saying to yourself, you know, 17 for 28, all right, but 123 yards, do you think that's mm-hmm. more about the drop passes or do you think that's about just inaccuracy with his throws? No, I mean, I think he's been really efficient with the throws. And I mean, Justin said he wants more production yards-wise out of his passes, and I think, I think that's going to come as the season goes on, right? I mean, I think, you know, they've played three really good defenses the last week, and he's He's performed well, and now they're going to face the worst defense in the NFL and a pass defense in the Lions that's that's really bad. So I think you could see those numbers start to shoot up, especially as Chase Claypool gets more involved. That's going to open things up for Darnell Mooney. I mean, the Bears don't really have that many guys that, that, that can consistently separate. So I think a lot of the reason the yardage numbers are down is just because the Bears throw a lot of those routes close to the line of scrimmage and, and rely on and on broken tackles and stuff. So I think those numbers will start to tick up as as Chase Claypool gets involved and, and they kind of open up the passing game a little bit more. And as the the passing game continues to evolve here, the mm-hmm. the way that Justin Fields is able to to deliver the deep ball, it's been a big part of his scouting report even as mm-hmm. he came out of college. And we, we saw that start to get utilized even more. Where I don't recall, Josh, where you know, there was one receiver multiple times in a game that could have and did draw pers- uh, pass interference penalties on mm-hmm. defensive backs. Do you think that, yep. that now that the Bears have access to Chase Claypool, that that's something that will continue to open up the passing attack for Fields? Yeah, 100%. I mean, that, that big body downfield threat, that X receiver, is something the Bears were really missing. I mean, you better go back to – I think it was, it might have been the Giants game, maybe the Commanders lost, but the, the Bears had a, a pretty critical third down, and, and Justin kind of threw like a, a 50-50 ball to Dante Pettis, and he dropped it, and it was like, well, that's what happens when you don't have this the big body guy who can just go up and get one, and that's why they got Chase Claypool, right, because of the vertical threat, because of the jump ball ability, and because defenses have to respect that, and then that's going to open up stuff for Darnell Mooney, who can, who can really operate it out of the slot now if he wants. And speaking of wide receivers and you know who can help and who can't, you saw Valus Jones was inactive on Sunday, and yeah. Co- Coach Ibrflus kind of said, "Oh, you know, no, 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 that's just a situational thing." And Dante Pettis, you know, he can he can return the punts, and we needed a. Re- yeah. But what did you take away from that? Do you see Valus Jones still being given an opportunity to to be a guy that can be a difference maker in this offense? You know, I mean, he's going to have a chance. I don't know if it comes this year, though. I mean, what we've seen from Matt Ibrflus really is the work you put in on Wednesday and Thursday are, is really going to determine your playing time for a lot of guys. And what we've heard about Bayless is, is he's trying to be more consistent. The route running still not really there. And if you look at, I mean, with Claypool now, I mean, it's Mooney, it's Claypool, it's, it's EQ, it's Nikhil Harry, it's Dante Pettis. And then you get into that, that five, six range. That's where Bayless sits and then Byron Pringle is supposed to come back. So there's not really room for, for a guy in Bayless who's only getting 15 snaps on offense last time we saw him. And with Claypool coming in, I mean, I thought, 
it made sense Sunday to leave him inactive because there's just no room. I mean, Chase came in and had 26 snaps, and so the 15 snaps Bayless was getting are just, they're gone. And I think that that really tells you that Matt Eberflus, you know, while they're building for the future, they are really committed to putting what what's best around Justin that they have at their disposal, and I don't think that's Bayless Jones at the moment. Josh Rock with us here on 670 The Score. He is on the Circle Resort and Casino in Las Vegas hotline, home of the world's largest sports book. You can find him on Twitter at Schrock underscore and underscore awe. He's the Bears insider for NBC Sports Chicago. The The offensive line has been such a, a conversation throughout the season as well. Do you feel like the O-line itself is beginning to perform at a higher level, or is this just now as Justin Fields' game improves where he's sort of just performing beyond the limits of the O-line? I mean, I, I think the, the design run game has really kind of lifted all boats because a lot of teams are going to have to have to have to use a spy. They have to bake that in, and that's a rusher that was coming early in the season that's not coming now. Um, I still think you have a problem. Um, not a problem. It's a question mark at the tackles. There's still pressure coming from the outside. I think the pressure that was coming from the inside, though, really hasn't been there the last couple of weeks, so that's, that's a good sign of growth. I mean, Tevin Jenkins, in my opinion, has been a tremendous right guard. Getting Cody Whitehair back is big. Um, and I, I do think the addition of those, those design runs have just kind of kept defenses enough on their heels that they're not being able to get that constant pressure especially in Justin's face that we saw the first six games when he was pressured on 50% of his dropbacks. So I, I think it's, you know, it's a lot of things. The Bears are rolling the pocket. I, a lot of credit just goes to Luke Getzey. That mini-buy reevaluation they did where they looked at the scheme and everyone's strengths has, has really turned this offense around. Yeah, and it's interesting when you're looking at that offensive line because, you know, when I'm having some discussions with friends of mine and, and you're looking at the left tackle position specifically with Braxton Jones, and you're saying, damn, fifth-round pick, he's been playing awesome. Well, at least, you know, you throw him there. But then you wonder, about, and with the upcoming draft, Josh, and you say to yourself, do, do, do you think the Bears are looking at that position and saying to themselves, oh, no, Braxton, he's our guy. We'll worry about the rest of the offensive line. Or is it a situation where it's like, hey, if we can get a, a left tackle, maybe we can move Braxton Jones next year? Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, I would say, I would say the latter, right? I think Braxton's been – Okay, and then for a fifth-round pick, that's really all you can ask, right? Out of Southern Utah, you throw him in there at the NFL. You're like, hey, good luck. Um, and he's been he's been okay. He's had ups and downs, but I mean, if they, you know, what if they come at seven or eight in the draft and Peter Skaronsky's there or, or you know uh, Paris Paris Johnson out of Ohio State? I mean, they gotta you gotta take that, and then maybe you shift Braxton the right tackle because if you can truly find a, a blue chip talent at, at left tackle, those that's one of the positions in the NFL that you want blue chip talent, and, and you need it for Justin's development. How do you see the the win-loss end of this thing for the remainder of the season? And how do you perhaps feel like the Bears are evaluating that? Obviously, the coaches and players are going to do what they can to win games. But do you think that Ryan Poles, the front office, are, are they preferring for, for wins to take place with the lineup as it's constituted at the moment? Or do you think they're hoping for the highest draft pick possible? <laughs> um, you know, I, I think they'd like to see the Bears, especially this young core, win some games and, and learn to win some games, right? We heard them talk about after the game, like they need to be in those situations where they can be in the two-minute drill with a chance to win and then and then actually go do it. And because that helps you later on, right, when they're actually ready to go to the playoffs and, and contend for a Super Bowl, which is the plan. 
this young group is going to need to have that experience of, of going out and winning. Now, I mean, I'm sure that if we gave Ryan Poles true serum, he doesn't want them to go win six in a row and get the, <laughs> get the seventh seed. Uh, but you know, if they can if they can rip off a you know knock off the Lions a couple times, maybe beat the Packers at home and and finish at seven and ten, um, I think that's 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 a good that's a good outcome. Hey. You're speaking my language because you're hitting the over. <laughs> you're hitting the over, Josh. A lot of a lot of Bears fans are happy with that one right there. Uh, we're talking to, yeah, talking to Josh Schrock from NBC Sports Chicago right here on 670 The Score. It's Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron. Before we let you go, you know, it's tough, man. This defense is, oh, man. It's t- Josh. It's, oh, yeah. man. So you're mentioning, yeah. you know, the Lions and, and, and their, their poor defense. But, you mm-hmm. know, would, would you say that, you know, speaking of, of gambling and hitting the overs, or excuse me, hitting the over with win totals, is it going to be, you know, is this what we're going to see for the rest of the year where every game is just going to be some high-scoring gunslinging shootout? Yeah, I mean, I think I think so for the most part. And I just, it's not because, I think, you can look at a bad defense two ways. You can look at lack of talent and lack of effort, and the Bears don't lack effort. They just don't have the horses, especially in the front seven, right? They can't get pressure with four, and you're kind of leaving a young secondary other than other than Eddie Jackson and Jalen Johnson uh, out on some islands. Um but you know, look, a thirty-five, thirty shootouts aren't the worst thing, right? It's better than uh, better than praying for a seventeen, fourteen win. Yeah, trust me, it's what I what I was what I was writing every single week on six seventy thescore dot com. I was like seventeen, fourteen Bears with the win. Hey, Josh, appreciate you giving us some of your time today, man. Have a great evening. All right. Hey, no worries, guys. Anytime, take care. Josh Schrock, Bears Josh. insider for NBC Sports Chicago, right here on six seventy thescore. I wanted to ask you a question, Amp, right. about that very same defense. It's like. For me, I'm like, oh, well, the DBs, that's the best part of this Bears defense. But mm-hmm. then, you know, they get literally ate up by Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Yeah. Is that because, I don't want to say it's because I'm, I'm, I'm overhyping the Bears DBs, but is that the case? Or is it just that simply it's just too hard if you're giving a quarterback that much time to throw the ball, too hard to play that tight coverage on any, not, not just Tyreek and Jalen Waddle, but any wide receiver for that matter? It's kind of a, it's a perfect storm for, for the secondary, the growth of the secondary to to perhaps struggle here. And that's where, you know, I, I even mentioned it during Bears Unleashed last Friday, me, you, and, and Cassie were on there. And th- the Bears defense, while you know, they, they weren't they weren't the 85 Bears defense with Roquan right. and Robert <laughs> Quinn in there, but you did have legitimate bona fide playmakers in your front seven. Robert Quinn wasn't getting a bunch of sacks. But he was kind of the lone member of that pass rush that could at least consist, consistently force the quarterback to be out of rhythm. He was turning the quarter the corner effectively enough where the quarterback had to feel him, had to climb up into the pocket, had to be out of rhythm a little bit. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't the dominant Robert Quinn sacking the quarterback two or three times a game like we saw at times last year. But now you really got none of that. <laughs> and until Travis Gibson or Dominique Robinson or I mean at this point like Alquadine Muhammad's been in the league a few years he's not he's just not a great pass rusher he wasn't a great pass rusher in college so we shouldn't anticipate that suddenly he's going to become this shot wrecker off the edge and you know you get you get some inconsistency up the middle but Justin Jones is an effective pass rusher at times but it, you know he's not Tough. Aaron Donald you know yeah I mean you're, you're just you're not going to get it every single snap so Hey, you, you see comfort from the opposing quarterback. What's I, up, Studs? I, I was I was wondering this because I was talking about it with a buddy the other day. I wanted to get your guys' input. How many of the Bears' current front seven do you think are still on the team, Zero. either starting or in the rotation? <laughs> Zero, uh, rotation it, by the time they can, by the time they're the defense is rebuilt, quote unquote. One, right. 
One. One. And, and that could be a, a number of people based on like productivity. For me, that's my answer. And I'm, uh-huh. I'm going to let you answer that. But when you're looking at the guys, I mean, when you're thinking about who they have the opportunity to bring guys in via free agency, they, they're going to be drafting some guys. So when you're talking two or three years down the line and you're looking at the squad that's there right now, I can't see it. I can't see it. And listen, I'm not the Debbie Downer. I'm <laughs> usually super positive when it comes to this Bears team. But when I look at a guy like Morrow and I just like, that's the guy. I don't know, man. If I if I had a chance to talk to him, not that See, I say it to his face, but if I had a chance to talk to him, <laughs> I'd be like, "Yo, man, come on, give me something, man. Here's something. Here's here's how I look at it. I think that Morrow would be a fine Mike if you have when when you get a better Will, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I think that Travis Gibson is a fine starting defensive end, opposite of an actual good edge rusher. And then Dominique Robinson can work in the rotation. I don't know about Justin Jones. Like they can certainly get better than him at three tech, right? And then the other defensive tackle, I mean, if they have the other spots, how they should be, then, you know, maybe Justin Jones moves there. But so yeah. that's that's how I look at it. Like, Ed's going to give a nice answer right now. Watch this. I mean, you're, you're not going to have Pro Bowl caliber players at every spot. That's the thing. So you have to you have to figure out where where are the places where where we need legitimately elite level production. Three technique for, for this defense to be at its best, for the way this scheme operates. You want your three technique to be legitimately a shop wrecker on a consistent basis. Somebody who just wreaks havoc on the, the interior of the opposing offensive line, that's not Justin Jones. And it shouldn't catch anybody off guard that that's right. not Justin Jones. But, I mean, for this defense, he's he, he's the best remaining player who at least imposes pressure on the opposing offensive line. So, I mean, for this season's Bears, he, he's the best that you got what remains at the moment. But when you're talking about building a Super Bowl caliber defense, that's not a level of productivity Justin Jones has ever shown. Give me up, a number. to this point in his career. Give me a number. For amount of people that will be on this team, either as starters or in rotation, maybe oh. even next year. I mean, next year, Dominic Robinson oh, is still going to be year. here. Yeah, Dominic Robinson is still going to be here next year. I don't, I don't know Alcadine's uh, Muhammad's uh, their contract okay. situation off the top of my head, but you, you know, ne- you don't necessarily want him to be like your starter. Could he be a, a rotational guy on a defense? Sure, but is he likely to still be here next year? Maybe two years from now, probably not, because then you've spent more money, you've resourced the the defensive line more at that point. Could I see like like a Mike Pinnell? Could he continue to be a backup rotational piece moving forward? Yeah, because he's he's probably the best guy at like just hitting blocks as far as their interior guy. Armand Watts gets blown off the ball. He's out the club really consistently. Angelo Blackson does some things in there, but you know none of these guys are high level guys. You you need better, right. more productive playmakers than most of these guys in the front. So it just depends on what you replace them with. Are you prioritizing a lot of money being spent at the offensive line and at wide receiver for next year, at linebacker? Then maybe you're not right away saying we're going to spend spend money to get like two or three other frontline starters on the D-line. So could I see some of these guys being rotational pieces moving forward? Yeah, just it kind of depends on how Ryan Poles ends up piecing this thing together. But you you need better than several of them. Yes. But because three technique is such a marquee spot, I would say even though Justin Jones is probably the best defensive lineman that remains amongst that group, he may be the one least likely to stick around because that's a marquee spot where you definitely want someone who's of elite sort of pro bowl caliber right away. Two or three guys. That's what Anthony was really trying to say without being nice. But I will say this, there are as we're about to break, mm-hmm. there are going to be a lot of guys that want to come to Chicago as well. Right when when you're, oh I get to play with Justin Fields and they're going to mm-hmm. be putting up some points and all I got to do is my job and they got money to spend right so you're going to get the, the high level high high paying guys but you're also going to get some mid level guys that are like hey you know what where would I rather go Jacksonville or <laughs> to the Bears you know what I'll take that two million dollar contract and come to the Bears so you're going to get talented guys 
in that way as well. But uh, we and get to the- answer your question real quick, guys, about Akadi Muhammad. Mm-hmm. He has, it's a two year contract, but the Bears can can cut him next year for just five hundred thousand in oh, dead cap. Okay. So it's really a one year contract. In the famed words of Hawk Harrison. He gone. All right. Uh, on the other <laughs> side, we get an opportunity to talk about defense and what they will do against the Detroit Lions. Can we expect the Bears' victory? We'll discuss after this. It's Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron, right here on 670 The Score. Bears fans, check out Chicago Tribune beat reporter and score Bears insider Dan Wiederer. Giving you the latest on the Bears three times a week on The Score, including Mondays with Bernstein and Holmes, Wednesdays at 8 a.m. with Mully and Hall, and Friday at 4 with Parkins and Spiegel. Justin had a really good game. There are some errors in there, <laughs> a handful of them that need to be cleaned up, and I think they're going to be aware of that. Get a look inside the Bears with Dan Wiederer and Sports Radio 670 The Score, Chicago's home for Bears fans. Always live on the free Odyssey app. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Pressure. Roger steps away. Throws. It's intercepted again. It's Joseph again. Kirby Joseph having the game of his season here today. He's got two off Rodgers. Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron right here on 670 The Score. I want to be very clear. If you didn't watch that game, Lions versus the Packers, then don't just start running around the city of Chicago saying that 
Justin Fields is just significantly better than Aaron Rodgers all of a sudden. Because if you watch that game, I mean, it was like fluky stuff that was happening with those interceptions. <laughs> Detroit came down, first drive of the game, went for it on fourth and one, couldn't get the first down in the, in the red zone, gave the ball to Aaron Rodgers. He literally drove all the way down the field effortlessly. And then where they should have ran the ball with, when they were within the five-yard line, and he just kind of threw it a little too low. That one gets interception, <laughs> intercepted. Lions come back down. I think it was like you know a couple plays later, punt the ball back to Aaron Rodgers. He does the same exact thing effortlessly like we've seen him do a billion times before. Effortlessly uh-huh. comes down the field and just happens to throw another interception. A fluky one All right, at see, that. I want to disagree with you real quick No, you're on not because you didn't watch the game. That, I did watch that <laughs> game. No, you didn't. <laughs> yes, no, you I, did. Did. I know you didn't watch the game. I didn't watch the full game, but I, I did the I interception. Did. I know. Wait, 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 oh wait Gabe. Gabe no, the me. second interception, though, is 100% on Rodgers. It was. He that was short, a stupid throw off his back foot to the opposite side of the field to a left tackle. Exactly. Come on. It was a bad throw, but you got a beautiful play by Aiden Hutchinson who was able to make that. And even if he didn't intercept the ball, you're right, the DB would have been there. But again, I'm more so talking about, people are making it seem like Aaron Rodgers got like dead Rodgers arm. Just and he's just like, oh, like, like, no, I'm, just, I'm just trying to clarify that that <laughs> yeah, second yeah. pick was on him. That, that second pick, 100%. But I was more so talking about the fact that Aaron Rodgers still moving the ball down the field uh-huh. effortlessly. Uh-huh. He just happened to have a bad right. moment at there. And then they just couldn't score for whatever reason. He so hadn't fallen odd. off the cliff yet. He no. can still play. Watch that game. Uh-huh. And I, as, listen, let's go back to that first drive again. Detroit comes down, fourth and one. They don't get it. Aaron Rodgers gets the ball. The way he moved that ball on the field, I was like, oh, I'm having flashbacks of him doing that against the Bears. <laughs> like, he's going to put up 40 against the Bears. Uh, I, don't, I do not like this narrative that's circulating the city of Chicago because yeah, Aaron yeah. Rodgers is reading and watching and hearing all of that. So I, I'm just like, I just want everybody to chill so that, that way we can just calm that down. Bears fans like getting excited about December 4th, like they're just getting ready to plow through the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. And? and? I literally looked up the schedule because I was like, am I going to go to Green Bay and watch this game? And I was like, wait a second, wait a second. Let Are me the watch Bears going to blow out the Packers <laughs> like, in December? Let me watch this game first before I start doing all of that. And then I just did that. But, but hey, I love it. I love the fact that they lost to the Lions. Mm-hmm. And, and what you did see there, though, is a Lions team that is going to depend on the run with their two-headed monster and Swift and um, – what Williams, right? Am I right? Am I right? Yeah, yeah, sounds right to me. And then, and then, and then, let's not forget. I mean, they do have a really good receiver uh, room right there with Amon Ross, St. Brown. They got Reynolds. They got Raymond. They got some speedy receivers. And Jared Goff doesn't care. He will just throw the ball. <laughs> and we saw the Bears struggle, as we were mentioning a second ago, with Tua and those intermediate throws. And Jared mm-hmm. Goff is very capable of doing that as well, especially if the Bears are in that cover two, that zone. Amon Ra and those guys, they're going to find their spaces. So it's going to be tough, but. The assumption there would be that with the continued growth of Justin Fields and and this offense kind of working the way it is, that the Bears should be in a position to win this football game, right, Ant? Against Detroit, yes. The Lions' defense has struggled uh, in a lot of games so far this season. They've given up a lot of yards. They've come up with some key takeaways at times, like you're talking about there. But Green Bay was even driving the ball on them in the game over the weekend, like you're referencing there. So it's a defense that can be had, but they do have some young playmakers on that defense, like you're referencing with Aiden Hutchinson, who not only is dropping into coverage, making interceptions, but what he really gets paid for while he was drafted in the first <laughs> round. He's been really effective this season as an edge rusher as well. And, of course, we've seen that the Bears have struggled in a variety of positions along the offensive line, but at offensive tackle as well. But that's a part of what the the Luke Getze offense is able to do is to take some pressure off of the O-line. So, you know, we're, we're seeing where there's going to be times where they are going to leave the tackles. The Bears offense are going to leave their tackles one-on-one at times, but they do an effective job of mixing in the chips. And that that's really all you can expect to happen. Their tackles are going to have to be one-on-one at times. Braxton Jones is going to be matched up one-on-one every once in a while. And, yeah, he was one-on-one against Bradley Chubb sometimes in the game. 
Every once in a while, Chubb got him. Every once in a while, Jalen Phillips got him. But every once in a while, he got them as well. Riley Reef has been in for a couple of games in a row. And that's where, you know, we we're talking about Valus Jones a little bit, you know, off air. And the, the to me, the good thing about where the Bears offense is growing right now is that it's becoming a, a deeper roster. It's, it's not amongst the deepest in football yet, but they're deeper on the offensive line now than they were earlier in the season. They're deeper at receiver now than they were earlier in the season. Part of that is getting a Byron Pringle back into the mix and getting healthy and able to practice and perhaps getting ready to get him into the mix and into the lineup here. The offensive line, okay, Riley Reef now getting some work in there. Schofield has been in at guard recently. You had Alex Leatherwood to the offensive line, and he was, you know, busted out in, in Vegas with the Raiders. But a guy with just legitimate big-time, like, raw physical traits for the offensive line position that now just the competitive depth of your roster is enhanced now because Larry Borum, okay, it's unfortunate he had to leave the lineup with an injury. Riley Reef steps in, and he's performed well for a couple of games in a row. So Larry Borum has to be on guard. He has to be at his best day in, day out to attempt to earn that job back. A lot of folks were bent out of shape when Tevin Jenkins wasn't starting early in the season because we're looking at Lucas Patrick, and you know he's struggling in the game just like a lot of other guys are struggling in the game. But the Bears are putting themselves in a position where, especially for the youngest guys, the least experienced guys on their roster, you're trying to turn all the best habits that you can into muscle memory. Mm. You want especially a guy like a guy like Tevin Jenkins, who didn't really become an elite player until his final year in college, and it's like, wow, that guy looks like a first-round pick. <laughs> Why didn't he look like a first-round pick early in his career? Because he hadn't developed all the proper habits to perform at that level, and he didn't perform with the tenacity. On Saturdays, like, you need to really perform at a first-round pick level. Then finally, he gets to that point at the end of his Oklahoma State career, he put everything into it, and he looked like what his peak physical skills should allow for him. So to me, when Matty Berflew steps to the mic and says, well, Lucas Patrick had a better Wednesday practice than Tevin Jenkins, and folks are like, well, why wouldn't you play him? He's young and he's more skilled and everything else. Because what we see on Sundays is not the only thing that matters. And that's what I love about the level of patience that Ryan Poles is showing and the way he's putting this roster together, that Matt Eberflus and his both coordinators, especially we're watching the offense more closely, but – it speaks to the way that, you know, I, I kind of referenced it briefly in the, the last segment here where folks are acting like the Bears are running this completely different offense. Right. And, and they're not. They're not. They've allowed the players to improve. The, their quarterback has improved within this system. Yes, there are some more called QB runs, and that came out of the bye week, and that, that's great. There's a few more called QB runs. But a lot of these same things where we're, we're – you know, we're salivating by Justin Fields changing his arm angle. Justin Fields was changing his arm angle in games early in the season. Every once in a while, in the red zone, that ball was bouncing off of somebody else's helmet <laughs> and ending up as an interception. Right. And everybody was saying Justin Fields was trash when that yep. would happen. That was the result of him changing his arm angle against Washington and throwing a red zone INT. Nobody cared about the fact that he had driven them on several drives over and over again in that game against the Commanders. All we saw afterwards, because the Bears didn't score points and they lost that game, here comes the pictures on the internet of open receivers that yeah. Justin Fields should have thrown the football to. That's why I'm Captain Context, because we don't take consistently enough to pull full picture of these things into account. And so that's why Tevin Jenkins wasn't starting earlier in the season. One, he wasn't there for a lot of the offseason program, and now that he's gotten healthy and he's in there, the Bears are wanting to make sure Tevin Jenkins 
We need you at your best. And if you're going to be the best version of Tevin Jenkins that maybe has Pro Bowl potential as an offensive guard, we want to see you act like that day in and day out. And they shouldn't accept anything less from Tevin Jenkins than that. And maybe adding Alex Leatherwood into the mix, who knows whether it's it potentially challenges Larry Borm, like Riley Reef starting does a little bit. Maybe it challenges Braxton Jones to a certain extent, which apparently Braxton Jones has just exceptional preparation and everything anyway. He's a self-motivated guy. It's part of the reason they love him from everything I'm hearing out of there. But the deeper and more capable you can get at every single position on your roster, adding Chase Claypool at receiver and Byron Pringle getting healthier, that doesn't make me count Valus Jones out of the mix. But it does let me know that Valus Jones has to be on high alert at this point. Putting punts on the ground is unacceptable. Not running the routes correctly in practice is unacceptable. And frankly, Valus Jones, if you don't improve at at that craft, then we got other guys who are going to be just as fast and bigger than you, who are going to learn the playbook better. And either you step your game up or we eventually move on from you. But it doesn't mean they're done with Bayless Jones yet, but now their receiver room is deeper and more capable and more threatening, threatening to the opponent and threatening within the meeting room. That's a good thing. You want everyone to be able to bolster their performance because there's competition in the room, and all those offensive position groups have more competition within their rooms right now than they did at the start of the season. And that's what Ryan Pohl said from the very beginning. We are going to create competition with depth, and he's done just that. I'm Gabe Ramirez. He's Anthony Heron. And don't forget, uh, if you want to watch that Lions game, or excuse me, if you want to hear some recap after that Lions game, Anthony and I will be at Emile's Tavern on Center. That's right. Located at 161 Center Street in Grays Lake from 7 to 10 p.m. next Tuesday for the Miller Lite Show up by Gabe Draft Show. I'm ta- I'll take a shot. shot I'll drink shot, on the air. I'm not scared of that. I'm going to have to show up. Please show up. Please. It's in Gray's Lake, though. It's in Gray's Lake, though. That's far, dude. That's like way Still up Still to run there. Oh, hell no. <laughs> it's marathon running. All right. Uh, <laughs> no, I told you. I retired. He did. Yeah. It's looking good. Competitive still, marathon still, still looking good, though, still man. Still in shape. shape. Yeah, right. That's what I said. That's what I told him all the time. All right. So, uh, on the other side, Ant Manson is a second to go. The updated college football standings have come out, and we have the pleasure of talking to Nicole Auerbach from the Big Ten Network, right? Yep, Big Ten Network, The Athletic, uh, you name it. She is, she is on there. Uh, Sirius XM, one of my partners over there as well. She covers college football as well as anybody in the industry. That's right, and we get an opportunity to talk to her and get her opinion on what this brand-new top four looks like. We'll discuss it on the other side. It's Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron, right here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Anthony Heron and Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score. Get a chance to talk about some college football now. And joining us on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline, Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. She is the senior writer for The Athletic, also the studio analyst for the Big Ten Network. And, you know, she hangs out with Anthony Heron here and there. Uh, we are welcoming Nicole Auerbach to the show. Nicole, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you guys? You know, good. Good to talk to you again. So, obviously, the rankings just came out. Were you as surprised as I was when you saw TCU sitting at four? I, I was pleasantly. Um, I had kind of talked myself into that they would be having Tennessee in that four spot just because, you know, I just felt like the committee liked them, and they still do in the way they were talking about them. But I think they were course correcting from last week where TCU was definitely too low. Felt like they put an arbitrary cap on them by putting one loss Alabama ahead of them. And I think you already saw the messaging shift last week. It was all TCU trails in these games and they're not, you know, kind of controlling these games. And this week it was 
they are resilient and they come back and they hold opponents to less points in the second half. I mean, it was a total shift. So that felt like a course correction, which I was, I was pleased to see. Were you surprised that Ohio State and Michigan were, were both in the top four? No, I was not. I thought that we would see both of them there last week. Um, and so I, I was not surprised. I, I really don't think that this had anything to do with Michigan beating Rutgers and pulling away in the second half. Obviously, there were some losses, but they should have been there last week. They should have been ahead of Clemson. I think we all saw that Clemson was not an elite, elite team this year, even before they lost to Notre Dame. Um, you know, I, I was thinking that you could make a case for Michigan being ahead of Ohio State and flipping those two orders, and you, I, I believe you can. I think that they played right now. I think Michigan is the better team playing better right now. But I also see that now that the selection committee has Notre Dame in the top 20 because of their win over Clemson, you can make that case based on the strength of Ohio State's resume to keep them ahead of Michigan. So I was totally fine with that. I think it makes sense. It's clearly still setting us up for a, a massive showdown later this month. We're talking to Nicole Arbach, senior writer from The Athletic and analyst at the Big Ten Network here on 670 The Score. I'm Gabe Ramirez, along with Anthony Heron. What the hell is going on with Alabama, Nicole? I feel like I'm watching this team, and they've kind of been this way throughout the entire season so far, where you're just like not necessarily sure. They're not, ne- they're not playing the dominant type of football that most fans are used to. And then they, they run into an LSU team where, you know, it was like 7-6 to six in third quarter or something like that. And then all of a sudden they obviously put on a, a ton of points in the fourth. But, but what do you see happening there? Is it, a, is it a lack of talent in certain spots or do you just feel like it's a, it's a change of, of personnel? What, what do you think is going on there? Yeah, I mean, I think that they definitely don't have some of the personnel that we're used to seeing them. Um, you know, I, I feel like I've been, you know, harping on this a lot all season. I think a lot of people have about the the talent at wideout. I mean, it's not the you know future first round NFL draft picks that we're used to seeing. We're used to seeing like multiple of those guys out, you know, on on the the perimeter, and they just don't have that type of talent this year. I mean, Bryce Young has kept them in games and in and, and won games for them over the last two years. They probably didn't uh, didn't really have, you know, the capability to. I think, you know, you still have Will Anderson is one of the best players in the country, but, you know, th- these are defenses that used to be the way that Georgia is now playing defense, which, you know, it's every single level. It, it's, it's reloading when you lose eight guys to the NFL and, and, you know, not missing a beat and shutting down one of the most explosive offenses in the country. I mean, you can just look at the way that the Georgia-Tennessee game went versus Tennessee-Alabama and see the differences in the deficiencies defensively. It's also seen Alabama have an uncharacteristic amount of penalties and just mistakes in some of their biggest games this year. And not coincidentally, I mean, some of these have happened in true difficult road environments, but still, I mean, you're just so not used to seeing some of the dumb mistakes and, and, and the penalties and the lack of discipline out of this Alabama team, uh, no matter what the circumstances. And I think you've also seen Nick Saban decline to kind of elaborate too much about Bill O'Brien this year. You can tell he's just not pleased with some of the things that he's doing offensively as well. So there's just a number of different issues and, you know, there's still, there's still, a very good team, but it's. I think it's clear that there's a drop-off from what we're used to expecting. What conference is maybe in the most jeopardy to be on the outside looking in? We haven't seen the Pac-12 in the playoff in several years, and you know it's mainly been Oklahoma is the Big 12 representative who we've seen able to make the playoff over the years. But TCU at number four, finally gaining some respect from the committee like you referenced here. But everybody seems to continue talking about the SEC with the possibility of multiple teams in. 
But you got a two-loss Alabama just kind of dropping down week by week. Who's who's maybe going to be left out here? Well, you know, we'll we'll have to see, right? Because we we always say, okay, well, what about this and this and this and compare all these teams? Like some of these teams will lose to each other, as we know. Um, Michigan, Ohio State, obviously on this collision course. But also no one has ever gone through Pac-12 play in the current iteration of the Pac-12 without losing a game. So in some of these scenarios that we're looking at, you know, you have a one-loss Oregon team with their losses to Georgia, but that requires, you know, the way that we think about them for saying, oh, what about a one-loss Oregon champ and their you know, shared, shared common opponent with Tennessee? Well, they would still have to do something that no one's ever done in the Pac-12, in the, in the 12-team uh, Pac-12 which is to beat everyone the rest of the way. You still have, you know, USC and UCLA or other Pac-12 teams in the mix. Utah's a good team. Like, that's going to be difficult. And I think the Big 12 feels very similar where you definitely could see some people cannibalize each other near the top just because the top half of the league feels very close to each other, very bunched up and capable of beating each other on any given week. So, you know, TCU's got Texas this week. I think that's going to be a really interesting test for them and, and for sort of our perceptions of where they are because they played Alabama. And obviously we saw them play at a very high level in that game. and should have won the game, even with a backup quarterback. So, um, you know, I think we'll have a better sense of, of all of that. It, it does feel, you know, Clemson was still in the top 10. And I know they're just a one-loss team. So, to me, I do think, you know, we can write off Alabama in a way that we, can, we can't quite write off Clemson here um, it, in general because you would still, if they went out, still a one-loss conference champion. We might be comparing them to one-loss teams that are not conference champions, and it is supposed to be a tiebreaker uh, piece of criteria. But, you know, th- that's the question, right, about, well, you know, how is Clemson going to play the rest of the way? How are they going to respond? How are they going to handle the quarterback position? How does that all go? Because it just feels like the ACC does not have that depth, does not have that strength uh, in the top half of the league the same way that some of these other leagues do. So I do think you still have to have, you know, the very real possibility that Tennessee is going to hang around, that the loser of the Michigan-Ohio State game can hang around without playing in conference championships. But, again, you know, we can, we can sort of pencil some things in, and certainly if TCU goes through the rest of the season undefeated, they'll be in. But – the one-loss teams are going to be very interesting, maybe even some of these two-loss teams, depending on who they lose to and when, because I, I just think we, we said this last week, right? Well, if so-and-so wins out or so-and-so wins out, I mean, we knew Tennessee and Georgia were playing each other, but you didn't think that all of this other carnage would happen in this sport. So we just can't assume, I think, that people are going to win out or not have scares the rest of the way. It's going to be fun to watch, though. We're talking to Nicole Auerbach right here on 670 The Score. I'm Gabe Ramirez. He's Anthony Heron. You know, you mentioned those Pac-12 teams. I love Dorian Thompson-Robinson. I just love what he does with the football. Mm-hmm. To me, that's my favorite team out of those four that are just meddling right there. Uh, so I can't wait to see what the end of the season has in store for them. Uh, but speaking of quarterbacks, Nicole, I just got to ask you, who's you, who is your favorite quarterback in college football right now? It's mm, an interesting question. No one's, no one's really asked me that. Um, you know, I, I think that I'm really enjoying Drake May and, and Max Duggan right now. And, and I think Max Duggan might be my favorite story in college football because of everything he's gone through and didn't start the season as a starting quarterback coming into camp with a new coaching staff. Also had a heart issue that he's had really um, just some real lows that he's had to overcome over the course of his up and down career. And he's just playing his best football. They've had some incredible comebacks for TCU. So I really enjoy watching them. And then, you know, I'm with you on, on Dorian Thompson-Robinson, Caleb Williams, and Bo Nix. Those guys are worth 
staying up for and watching out of the Pac-12. Yeah, they also, co- they've cost me some sleep, Nicole, I'll tell you that. Same, same, especially last week because, you know, USC and UCLA pulling away, pulling away, and then all of a sudden they're not, and you got to, you know, stay up and watch the, the end of that game. But, I mean, those guys, those quarterbacks are all um, are all really interesting and, and fun to watch, too. I mean, I just feel like we're seeing a lot of quarterbacks, especially some of these transfers like Bo Nix um, and Adrian Martinez at K-State as well as one where they're just, like, playing the best football of their career. And it really wasn't anything that was going to prepare us for that, that they were ready to take that step, except they go somewhere and they have a second act somewhere and it's a different offensive system and whatever it is. And so it's just been really cool to see that. And then also guys like DTR who, you know, we've been waiting and waiting and waiting and he breaks through and he's having that all within the same system too. So uh, it's been a great season for quarterbacks and just a lot of really fun guys. But I guess I would probably have to say Max Duggan just because of the story and the way that TCU uh, falls behind and then always comes back and pulls away at the end somehow. It feels Nicole and, and Gabe. I tend to lean on Nicole because I'm still I'm only a couple of years into the Heisman voting process. Nicole's had a, a Heisman vote for a lot longer than I have, so I lean on her for just experience and how I kind of go about the process here. We're we're week into November at this point, and so there will be more and more attention paid to some of the top Heisman candidates in the country. Who's starting to catch your eye? Uh, well, it feels kind of fairly wide open now that Hendon Hooker is, um, you know, come back down to earth and, and has struggled against Georgia. Um, I, I think, you know, the athletic, we do a Heisman straw poll. And, you know, when I put in my three votes each week, it really oscillates. Um, and I think that's normal when you started to do it early in the season, the middle of the season. But, you know, there were some votes this week for Bo Nix and for Drake May. And these are guys that I don't think people would have had on their radar for the Heisman, uh, even just a couple weeks ago, but it's the body of work and some of the overwhelming numbers that you're seeing from those two quarterbacks and the explosiveness of the, the Oregon and the, the North Carolina offenses. So, you know, really enjoying that. I, I still think that Blake Corum is going to have a chance here to get to New York as a running back, which is hard to do. Um, but he's just been, he's having a really special season for Michigan. And obviously the run game is so important to the way they control games. Um, so I would keep him in the mix there, but yeah, I mean, uh, typically and, and as usual, it's going to be a lot of quarterbacks. I mean, C.J. Stroud has not always looked sharp over these last couple games, but he's still leading our Heisman straw poll, and I think he's still an odds-on favorite to win it. Um, and so, you know, it's a lot of those those guys that are going to be in the mix are going to be playing in that Michigan-Ohio State game, right? I don't think that, you know, C.J. Stroud, I don't think that Blake Corn. I don't think those guys are going anywhere. And so, you know, that game and the performance in it, you know, got Aiden Hutchinson to New York last year. So we still have a couple of those monster, monster games down the stretch that I think are going to factor into to how that race is decided. But it's good. I, I, was, I was telling I was on a Utah radio station earlier today and got asked about sort of like the Pac-12 and where they are in the national picture. I think it's great that there are Heisman candidates in the Pac-12, Caleb Williams and Bo Nix. I mean, DTR, I think, is still getting some votes in our straw poll as well. Um, I, like, that shows that this is becoming more national this year and that that league is on the upswing because you do have people like us, you know, staying up to, to watch those guys, to make them more household names and talk about them. And that's not always the case. And so I think that's healthy to have different, you know, star players and, and the true Heisman candidates in all over all over the country in different regions. Absolutely phenomenal stuff, Nicole. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today and shedding some light on this college football conversation. Absolutely. Have a good one, guys. Do the same. Nicole Auerbach, of course, senior writer at The Athletic 
and studio analyst for Big Ten Network, also on Sirius XM, man. You make sure you guys follow her. She has some absolutely phenomenal stuff. She brings up Drake May, who's a guy that, from the very beginning of the college football season. Like, if, like me, the casual fan who just really started really, really paying attention to college mm. football. From the beginning, you're just like, who? Who's this guy throwing 27 touchdowns in one game? And then he's just being consistent and, and you yeah. know, taking taking uh, North Carolina to an 8-1 record. I mean, you got to pay attention to that. So it's going to be good watching that thing wind down. Uh, it is Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron here on 670 The Score. And when we come back, we get an opportunity to talk about Chicago's team. Of course, I'm talking about the Bulls. What kind of impact did Zach Young make for the Chicago Bulls yesterday after their win against the Toronto Raptors? We get to talk to Rob Schaefer about just that. We'll do that next, right here on 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hey, 